If no one sheds light on what is being done in the darkness, it will never stop. One in three girls and one in six boys are sexually abused and told to hush. Breaking the silence is the first step to healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Find your voice. Your story matters. Pain put me into hiding. Purpose called me out. May the silence be broken. Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien and now Nicole Braddock Bromley. Well, we are back again, and I am really delighted to have this guest with us today, Jennifer Arnspire. She is a somatic coach, and um, her work I have just been following for quite some time and have just really loved learning from her and just gleaning knowledge and understanding and just the compassion and love that she has for, especially for survivors of trauma, has really impacted me. So I'm so excited to have you on the One Voice podcast. Jennifer, welcome. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. Great, great. Well, I know that a lot of your work surrounds women who you say are highly sensitive women, highly sensitive women with trauma or things that are just kind of suppressed, held in their bodies. I wonder yeah. if we could just begin by talking about what that means to you. What, what would a highly sensitive woman be defined as or look like to you? And then, um, and just what does it look like to be a highly sensitive woman holding trauma inside? I love that question. Okay. So um, to me, I work with anyone who identifies as sensitive, which tends to be quote, highly sensitive people and empaths and, you know, people all over that spectrum. And um, in terms of what a highly sensitive woman looks like, or a highly sensitive person, I should say, is, um, is our nervous systems just in general, without talking about trauma or life experience or anything, we're kind of born into the world with super porous nervous systems. And we're, we're so like where everyone else is walking around, like, you know, their boundaries are kind of American cheese, solid, <laughs> good, mm-hmm. highly sensitive people have like solid and cheese fake. boundaries. <laughs> 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 well, there is that, but, um, <laughs> But we have lots of like, we are deep, we are um, hyper attenuated to our environment. So Mm. we'll notice and be affected deeply by things that non-sensitive people or like people who don't identify as sensitive, don't even notice in a room. And those are the kinds of things that are enough to like lay us out. The emotional stuff that people are feeling sitting with you, but not saying that can be exhausting. Mm. And um. So just existing that way in the world, it's also really normal that highly sensitive people don't know that we're highly sensitive until we're about midlife and we're trying to figure out why life has always been such a struggle. Nobody mm-hmm. ever understands us, right? Mary, I see you nodding. Do you identify as a mm-hmm. Yeah, big one. Mary, I'm like, uh-huh, yes, nailed it. <laughs> yeah, right? And so the 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 real, what I really love to shine a light on is the idea that really just, and I don't even say this in a martyr type of way, but the truth is that being a highly sensitive person is a relatively traumatic experience in and of itself, because Mm. growing up without any idea why you feel so affected Mm -hmm. and you know, I'm sure I was just listening last night to the interview. I think you did two interviews ago, the, I can't remember her name, but she was talking about chronic pain and Mm, um, trauma. Yeah. Um, Anyway, it was a wonderful interview. And, and the idea that when we have experiences that we can't qualify and we can't process and our nervous systems are overwhelmed, our bodies react with physical symptoms Mm -hmm. is like heightened with highly sensitive people because we're taking in so much more and we have so, um, you know, so much, Mm. so much, what's the word I'm trying to come up with? Like, it's harder to defend our boundaries. They're not innate. And so for a long time, we're just kind of absorbing other people's energy. That's interesting. I just had this conversation. One of my sons are, he's highly sensitive. And Mm. he, we had this conversation just last night of, it was like, it's just hard for me. He's like, why does like my brothers not walk into a room and like, just feel overwhelmed by what everyone else is feeling. 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, because mm-hmm. they don't 100%. know. They walk yes. in as just them, but you mm-hmm. walk in as someone who needs to read the room, right? Or doesn't well, even need to, almost- but it- go ahead it happens intrinsically. Like I don't even want to read the room, but I'm super aware of all the things. And I'm sure, you know, Mary, I'm sure you can relate to this, but like you walk into a room and you can just tell who's angry, who's happy, (laughs) what they're angry about. And when you're young and you don't know that most people aren't like this, you try to talk with people and be like, Hey, are you okay? And then you get, you're seeing things in people that they're not necessarily even aware of. And so Mm -hmm. then you're kind of faced with their we're not talking about that. And you get really weird about what you notice and if you could trust yourself. And, mm-hmm. and that's not even addressing the part of the highly sensitive journey that I hear all the time, which is, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of, because we want to fit in so much after like a decade of that, the teen years are rocky. We tend to sell ourselves out in a lot of ways, you know, like we put up with things that we wish later that we wouldn't have because it seems like this is normal, I guess. And, and we just amass so much, but it's subtle, you know, mm. a lot of times it's not always yeah. subtle, but like we, we amass so much. We just hold this in because we eventually start thinking there must be something wrong with us. Mm-hmm. And that coupled with our kind hearts makes us just walking snacks for narcissists and I don't know a lot of highly sensitive women who haven't had exposure to a narcissist that makes their dark night in midlife even harder. And that's Mm. kind of where I like to meet people because that's where I needed help and I couldn't find it for myself. Yeah. Wow. And I think that's a story that isn't really talked about too much, right? So a lot of us are walking around with these experiences, like we're good people. And like, I tell my son, like, this is your superpower, but like that superpower can be taken advantage of by people who are preying on that, on those those good hearted, you know, martyrs, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. there's such a commonly such an important piece that you're, you're doing and talking about this, where it's acknowledging those superpowers, those great things within the highly sensitive soul, but also like protect it and know that like, not everyone gets access to you and how, how to do that, how to boundary. Yeah. Mm. And that is just important. Yeah. And it's like the ultimate mountain it's Everest, you know, Mm. because you can do it one day and it's exhausting and then you think you're good. And then someone else will bring you a challenge and it it feels like it never ends. Mary, I know, you know, do you relate to that? I, (laughs) it's funny. I feel like when you were talking about, you walk into a room and you're assessing you know, just faces and the vibes and the nonverbals and, you know, how mm-hmm. someone's sitting or how they're standing, or I feel like I'm an FBI CIA agent and I don't want to be, but somehow totally. I got that badge and I walk in a room and I'm just like scanning my brain, just like do, 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 taking in all this information. And mm-hmm. I'm like, holy shit. Like, can I have a glass of wine to just, woo, you know, like, oh my God, you're just flooded with so much, even though you're not trying you're just absorbing, like you said, everything in the room and every person's emotions and feelings and thoughts. And, you know, yeah. And like, think about the energy that she just encapsulated. That's walking into a room. That's not even living life. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. So our like constant level of here. And I just, I feel like that does things to us, Mm -hmm. like really personal, really quiet things. And it, in my experience anyway, and what I'm really interested in is that it, it makes it really hard to trust ourselves and it makes it really hard to be in our bodies. Mm. And it's, it's almost always a truth in my experience. And certainly for me that, that, that part really feeds into the whole, you find yourself in a toxic relationship dynamic because it, it's tragically familiar to be kind of out of our bodies and not trusting ourselves. How delicious must that seem to someone who wants a dissociated, scared woman who's not going to stand up for herself, Hmm. you know? So I, I hear them the whole, and 
I don't know if this, Mary, this is something you can relate to, but I think also a lot of sensitive women are like the last person to try to make something about them. Mm. Right? Like we're very sensitive and because we can read other people's energy, like let's talk about you because it doesn't matter. I can handle me, but I can tell you're in pain, right? We do that all the time. Mm-hmm. So when we have, when people treat us badly from just like parental dynamics or relationship dynamics all the way up to the sexual abuse boundary violation situation it's it's so common for us to just hold that inside because maybe this is normal and we're mm. just too sensitive oh mm. you yeah. know and and holding and then back right like you're you're sorry? containing parts of you because you're afraid yeah. maybe of what the world might do with that that part of yeah. you or something. Yeah. Well, and in that way, I don't think that a highly sensitive survivor is different than any other survivor. Would you say? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that's pretty normal. The whole, mm-hmm. I'm going to hold my story for fear of yeah. expressing right, right. it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Well, I love what you're talking about here, just where, you know, the suppressed trauma is held in our bodies and basically like just these unreleased feelings and memories that we're holding in specifically as trauma survivors, but especially if you're a highly sensitive person who maybe has been taken advantage of in the past. Um, I mean, you've been brought up narcissism like that. These are all just such a, it's just like this. I picture it as like this big ball of yarn. Like it's just so twisted up and we're holding it in. And there's so many layers like, Oh, is this my trauma? Is this because I'm highly sensitive? Is this because Mm -hmm. I was in a toxic relationship? Like what totally. show is it? Right. So there 100%, are all these things yeah. inside of us. And then as you say, they manifest in our bodies and yeah. we have to do the work of releasing that. And I wondered if you could unpack a little, I know there's a lot that goes here and you in fact run a whole course called the body story course, I believe, which sounds mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and we'll oh, talk about that you. a little bit more, but could you give us a little glimpse into what that looks like? Um, in re- beginning to release some of the stuff that's wound up. Yeah. Yes, I will. And by the way, I just have to tell you the fact that you use that metaphor, the ball of yarn. I can't tell you how much I love that because I am. That's my go-to metaphor when I'm talking to people who are considering working with me. And I do. I say, imagine you have this ball like sitting right under your rib cage. Yep. You know that like it. black hole space. Mm-hmm. Totally. And so what bring me back if I got off track, cause I got so excited that you used that metaphor, but, um, <laughs> um, oh, just like, yeah, how, how to begin to unravel, to unpack, to pull a piece of yarn out and start exploring it, to heal it and to release it from yeah. your body. Yeah. Um, so that is, and again, you did it again. You used the other word that that's like my, my private coaching package. I actually call it unravel because oh, the way cool. that I think you need to handle it is, well, the way that I handle it and what worked for me and what I try to help other women do is you kind of just start with the somatic component means you, you like gingerly dip back into your body, but only at the surface layer, mm-hmm. you know, and so like what, because the, the idea of feeling your repressed stuff to release it is like the scariest thing in the world, right? Nobody really wants to do that. Mm-hmm. And it keeps people in prison for such a heartbreakingly long time. It's totally understandable. You're not ready until you're ready. But once you're, once you're ready, the way that I approach it is you have to give yourself permission to have um, to express dark emotions. Yeah. I love the term dark emotions. They're not really dark. You know, everybody's entitled to their anger and their grief mm-hmm. and their fear and all of those kinds of things, but nobody really wants to sit in those, mm-hmm. um, shadow kind of emotions. But the trick is, as I'm sure both of you know, is that that's the thing that's going to like, turn this steam valve and release that energy from your body so that you don't feel so innervated by it anymore. Yeah. You know, the steam valve. Um, I love that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, because you know that feeling, right? As as a survivor yourself, when you're holding it in, it's so hard because you don't know where to begin if someone's like, hey, talk to me about what's going on. But that feeling like, oh my God, I'm just going to, like from the inside, that's... So I really embrace um, doing it through shadow work, you know? And the... And the first thing that has to happen, and I think this is hardest for sensitive women, honestly, maybe that's an overstatement. And I certainly don't mean to, um, you know, alienate anybody, forgive me, it's really early, but, um, the, the idea of, you know, based on everything else that we talked about, right, Mary, about being sensitive, maybe you can relate to this, but like accessing our anger even righteous anger is a really unfamiliar experience for especially super sensitive people. I think mm-hmm. um, maybe for everyone, but I, I wouldn't know because I'm <laughs> super sensitive myself. And um, it's like, we, we have internalized messages for a long time. Like we don't have the right to get upset about that right? or the way somebody's behaving or, and that's yeah. probably not particular to sensitive people, I would guess. Mm. But um the whole, you have permission to call this trauma. You have permission to call, am I allowed to swear on your podcast? Yeah. I already did. Like you have yeah. permission. Oh, good. good. I'm sorry. I missed that. <laughs> like you have permission to call bullshit on this person's behavior mm-hmm. and you have permission to be mad about it or yeah. really heartbroken about it. And not just, so we start there, like, let's talk about how you're really feeling about something, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and then once we kind of find out what you're feeling, I use writing. Like I actually invite people to do a lot of writing to give an actual voice to that feeling, Mm -hmm. you know, like, who are you really talking to that idea of like, you write your abuser a letter and Mm -hmm. to set yourself free, whether you ever mail it or not, it's that kind of energy. Yeah. And I, I can't tell you how liberating the writing part tends to be. Yeah. People. Yeah. Well, it gives it's, you freedom and permission to finally say what you really want to say. Because I think as survivors, yeah. we're so conditioned, culturally conditioned to, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt or, you know, oh. give them a little bit of a grace for this, or, you know, we're strong now because we're survivors. So like, we can just take it all in and let them live their life. But like when you're it's writing over and done, forgive and forget, move yeah, on blech. all of those things, all that toxic positivity. But when you're writing and no yeah. one else is going to see it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now all bets are off. My real rage yes. has come out on this page and yes. gosh, is that healing? Oh, mm-hmm. I love it. Can't you feel the energy even yeah. right now? It's so delicious. Oh, yeah. it's so good. Yeah. And yeah. what I love the most is that it's so good for the people, even when they're really scared to do it. Mm. Like this is, I do this in private work a lot. I mean, my course is like self-paced, but I don't get to see people do this, but you know, when, when they're most nervous, is when they're going to get the greatest release because they're like aware of that rage that's simmering right mm-hmm. under the surface, yeah. right? Do you think oh, they're so... afraid or we are afraid of ourselves? Are we? Do you think the reason that a lot of us hold back from letting that out is because we're afraid like what will be after that? I don't know. There, I think there's a How part of it there where it's like, like I, I have, I have perfected this public persona, this, you know, sweet, kind person who forgives and moves on and doesn't, you know, wreck other people's lives with the truth of what they've done. You know what I mean? Versus, okay, if I'm going to really let this rage out, I'm going to see what I am underneath. And that might scare me. Even if no one else sees it, I might be afraid of looking at myself a little bit differently. Is that an experience that you Mm-hmm. have had, would you say? Yes. As an Enneagram nine peacemaker, huh. I struggle to get in touch with my anger. Oh. And so, yeah. but when I have done it, it has been the most freeing thing. So my course, the survivor course that mm-hmm. I do is called unleash, which is so funny. Yours is mm-hmm. unravel mine's unleash. I know. And it really has been cloaked in the fact that like, if we can really unleash all the feelings we have inside, we will actually not be afraid of who we are. We're going to be so proud of her or him or mm-hmm. they, or whoever it is. Like we are, we are going to be our true self because we're getting rid of all the junk that the world has told us we needed to be, mm-hmm. but there's fear. Gosh, in that. There's beautiful. fear. 
there's fear in taking that big step, but gosh, yeah. on the other side of the shadow work, I think there's a lot of light. Oh, so much light. Yeah. Um, I love, by the way, your course sounds amazing. So mm, beautiful. You. Yeah. It's been really um, cool. But I love, I love what you said about um, the, the kind of being afraid of ourselves. I have to be honest, I never really thought about it that way, but I love that you've kind of brought that into my mind. And I think one of the things that I've been aware of a lot is I think that sensitive women are kind of afraid of changing the power dynamic between them and everyone in their life who's been benefiting from their meekness, their Mm. like unlimited absorption. And, you know, and this is why I think that like tapping into your shadow stuff and Mm -hmm. owning it and really empowering yourself to have your opinion, whatever it is, especially if it's a little sassy Mm -hmm. is, is like the best way to have stronger boundaries. Mm -hmm. Right. Because otherwise like um, to not put up with garbage from people just on in our daily lives and to be a little feisty in our own defense, which everybody has to do just walking through the world. But that's really, really hard for a tender heart. If you're an Enneagram nine, you know, yeah. right. You just want everybody to feel good all the time. So yeah, God forbid, I tell you, Hey man, I'm mad at you yeah. and make you feel bad. Cause I'm going to feel bad if I make right. you feel bad by exactly. expressing my anger. So, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then this Mary's is why an Enneagram love... too, number two. So What's she's that? the helper. Mary's an Enneagram too. So she's the helper. Uh, I'm putting you in the spot, Mary. So yeah, she's going through life as a highly sensitive person and wanting to meet everyone else's needs before her own. Right. So does that, that resonates with you? The idea of like, I, if I get mad, then I'm going to have to feel you're mad. And then that's just going to make it worse for me. So I'll just be quiet. Mm-hmm. It's interesting man, I don't even know where to begin. Like we would have to do like six sessions, not even podcasts, but you'd have to do personal sessions with me. I am just a ball of, I don't even know. Um, because I have no problem tapping into anger, like zero problem. You're good at that. I'm so good at tapping into anger. However, depending on my relationship with the person or the entity, whether it's at work, whether it's, um, you know, a parent, you know, a friend, um, my spouse, that's where I pick and choose where it feels safe to release and let that anger out. So I have no problem letting it out. Um, if it's a safe environment with that person, um, however, as you said before, it does get a little dicey and a little sticky when all of a sudden we look at this relationship where someone else has held the power, but we are flipping Mm -hmm. done with that. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm not your, you know, I'm not under you anymore. And like, I'm kind of getting up here and the chip on my shoulder is getting bigger. Um, And I've experienced Mm -hmm. that more recently in my life. Um, You're able to start um, to chip away at that, that uh, dynamic that you're no longer willing to put up with, but it's still a little weird because being highly sensitive. And also I'm a very anxious person. You know, you have this, all these wheels are turning of like, yeah, look at that anger. Ooh, what does that do now? Or, oh gosh, that probably really hurt them. Like, even though I can sit in this confidence of this anger, I still have this voice in the back of my head sometimes until I continue to exercise this muscle to get more natural and more comfortable in it. Um, and it's still new in some of my relationships in some of my areas in life. So I just feel a little kind of all over the place <laughs> with all of this. Well, but. And, and what Jennifer yeah. said too, about like the doing the shadow work, it, it, it shows where people have benefited off of your servanthood, off mm-hmm. of your tender heart. And once you find your voice, whether it's anger or not, people start to not get the benefits right? Their mm-hmm. stuff's getting called out and that becomes a whole new ball game to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a, a lot of times, um, can you hear me? Okay. I think I yeah. pushed a rogue button on my headset. Okay, good. Okay. Um, sorry. No, you're um, actually more clear now. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, excellent. What a happy accident. Okay. <laughs> happy accident. Um, so, uh, 
shoot, what was I going to say? Well, I was talking about people benefit off of, right? Oh, but then when we start healing, it's like, uh oh, I don't get the benefits. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. And there's a really common um, journey. Like you just hear, um, I'm sure that as a person who works specifically with sexual assault survivors, you hear a version of the same story over and over, right? Just a really common story. And yeah. the same is true um, for me in terms of what the highly sensitive woman journey tends to look like, certainly for the women I work with. And okay. um, and the one of the primary dangers of starting to empower yourself when you start on this healing path and a lot, a lot of times we have no idea what we're getting ourselves into when we start on the healing path, right? And then our whole life starts to dismantle around us because we can't be the empowered version of ourselves and still have the same relationships with people mm-hmm. who aren't really into that version of us. Yeah. So it's really common up. for, no, and they mm-hmm. don't want to, where narcissism is concerned anyway, they have no interest in leveling up. They'd much rather you stay sick and- yep. overwrought and confused. So, um, it's a really normal thing for people to be like, suddenly my friends don't want to hang out with me. I've like lost lots of people Mm -hmm. and that's tragic, but it's also really normal happens a lot. That's good. That's good to normalize that. I think, you know, it can feel like a lot of grief for many of us as we're on this healing journey, we're losing people or we're losing interest in some people who are not totally. able to keep up with us, but that it's normal. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, forecasting ahead is probably there's going to be people on your level that will come alongside of you, you know, as you continue this journey out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. To hear. Yeah. Hmm. It's, it's helpful because it's, it's a insanely, I'm sure that you do a version of this yourselves, but it's an insanely brave thing to try to heal from mm-hmm. trauma any kind of trauma, especially when it's so deeply impressed on you that it's like in your body and it affects your life. I mean, there's, it, it makes us feel so tender, I think. And this I'm sure true for everybody, not just sensitive people, but it makes us feel so tender and vulnerable that it, it, we, it's easy to go through a couple of years feeling like a walking open wound. Right. Yeah, and absolutely. that can like reinforce the idea that, oh my God, you're so sensitive. But the truth is that sensitive people undertaking a healing journey are like the strongest, most <laughs> hardcore, emotionally resilient, amazing, any, any survivor undertaking the healing journey, not just a sensitive one. Do you know what I mean? I do. Right? Like I'm I constantly celebrating their <laughs> like insane levels of bravery. Yeah. And it's true. And those are the things that we need to begin speaking to ourselves, right? Whether through journaling or just even out loud, like those are the things we need to be reminded of from ourselves. I wanted to pop over real quick to remind you about Unleash. It is our eight week e-course and virtual support group for survivors of sexual abuse. And we've been running them for over a year now. It's been an amazing, amazing experience. And I've loved walking with so many survivors on their healing journey and just going deeper, like we've been talking about in this podcast. Um, It's so brave and it's such an amazing thing to be able to say, I'm worth it and I'm going to do this healing work and I'm going to step into these brave spaces with these other brave survivors. And just the community has been in a beautiful, a beautiful process for them and for, for their healing road ahead. So if you're a survivor and interested in joining us for the next course, please go online at IamOneVoice.org. You'll find all the information there and you can book online now and reserve your spot. Each group is a very, very small group. We max out at eight survivors. Um, just to keep it as a safe space, a small virtual space um, where you truly will experience belonging and find freedom for your wild soul. I wanted you to to tap into, if you can, just like the, the idea of like self-love, self-compassion versus self-hate. Um, oh. I just think that's such a journey for so many of us, especially who have gone through trauma, who are highly sensitive. Too. Um, yeah, just what kind of work have you done with, 
with people that have gone through your course on those topics? And how do you kind of get to a place of acknowledging the self-hate you've had? Because a lot of us don't even Mm. know we're doing it, but it's affecting everything. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it, it, it is. Um, I love that question so much. Um, I, I, I will say that my course, my body story course is really largely about self-hate. I don't say on the outset, this is about self-hate, but what I say on the outset is we're going to take like a journaling tour through your body and all the emotions that tend to be held in all the different organs Mm -hmm. and systems And we're just going to explore in each of those places to see if you have anything around like, well, I think everything starts with anger Mm -hmm. and rage. I'm Mm -hmm. so in love with talking about anger and rage. I think it's so important for all the reasons that you mentioned earlier. And it's, it's just such a cleansing activating in a good way, kind of force. And it ignites us with our, Like, um, so in my experience, the way that it tends to work is that, um, we, we, at least for sensitive people and, and I'm pretty well entrenched in that world and I'm pretty deeply sensitive. So I don't know if this is the same for people who don't identify that way, but, um, we, because we've suppressed so much trauma survivors and our story is so tangled, like you say, we tend to feel like heavy and depressed and hopeless first. Mm -hmm. Like what's the point in me saying anything or doing anything. But then when I'm working with somebody and even in the course, I would say like, okay, well, the fact that you're here means you have some stuff. So however you're feeling now, what's underneath that? Like what's the memory, for example. And then they might like, tap into a memory. And then I'll ask, well, get specifically, like, how does that memory make you feel? And it's always a little like, you know, sad. And then we'll talk about the sadness for a while and journal around it. And then under the sadness is like some righteous indignation. It's not anger yet. You know what I mean? Mm, But it's like, oh, so that wasn't cool. Right. And it's so helpful. Wrong. Right. And, and then I love to be there and be like, yeah, it was. So let's like talk about how that was some bullshit. And I like to use language to kind of get people. I love the swearing to help people get into their feisty Uh frame of mind. And (laughs) what's amazing is that under like the seventh layer, so like there's sadness and heaviness, and then there's righteous indignation, and then maybe some anger. And then after the anger, there's the grief, right? Mm -hmm like deep grief under like that I had to go through this at all. And then underneath that is like, cause that's like where the softness is. And for as harsh as self-hate sounds, I think it's in our softest, like marshmallowy center. And we can't get to it without doing a little bit of excavating. And once we get there, it's easier for people to be like, Oh my God. Yeah. I've been blaming myself for that for Mm. ever. Because yeah. tell me if you agree, but don't you feel like so much self-hate is really self-blame that's misplaced? hundred mm-hmm. percent. Especially for a trauma, especially for someone who has sexual assault in their yeah. trauma yeah. survivor history. Yeah. Oh my God, it's, it's yeah. self-blame. Mm-hmm. And so I have chills just being able to talk with you two about this. It's like mm-hmm. getting to that place where you can realize that this was not your fault and that always is going to make you cry. Right. But the, so it's, it's fun because I mean, fun is a weird word to use, but it's rewarding because the self-hate, we don't get to the self-hate by talking about self-hate, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Well, in a lot of parts of our healing work, like you can't go straight to this, like heavy topic that has all these connotations around it. Like you have to right. do a little dance to get there first because it's, yeah. it's too hard. It's too painful. It's just it's, safer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the layers and, self-hate, and layers are important. Yeah. So important. And self-hate, I think like anger are um, 
probably the two like foundational damaging things for us to hold and the two things that seem scariest to go near Mm -hmm. at first. Mm -hmm. So to be able to address them without coming at them head on like a truck, I think helps people feel more at ease. Mm -hmm. And it also, it gives them a chance to integrate like how all the layers relate, you know? Like your story is really not 15 different things. It's 15 different layers of the same situation. And that's a really important difference that tends Mm -hmm. to like light bulb moment for people. That's a good point. Cause I even think of like the ways that we cope to survive, you know, Mm -hmm. like things like an eating disorder, you know, or self-injury or things like that. Like we think of them as branches off of our trauma, but truly it's just another layer that's stemming off of self-hate or some other layer in our story. So like the excavating of each of the layers, goodness. So, so crucial. Yeah. This is a little bit of a weird analogy, but it just, you saying that it made me think about my sons doing a little project at school where they're talking about the different forms that water can take, whether it's, you know, vapor or an ice cube or, you know, water, a pool of water. And I I think about that with what you're saying there is it's just looking different. You know, as we look at the different layers, it just shows up in a different form, but it's all tied to the same foundation in a way of the problem, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, and don't you feel just listening to you say that, I don't know if I'm the only one, but I got like this wave of compassion, just listening to you kind of present that metaphor, like, yes, it's, it is, it's all, it's all because of this pain. It's not because there's something wrong with you. And it's not because you hate yourself because you're awful or broken or whatever toxic jackasses made you think you were. And it's, it's just it's so lovely the way that something so dark and sharp and ugly like self-harm or you know just any kind of self-loathing can be turned into self-compassion through just understanding how your story makes sense how it really makes sense mm-hmm. it's a unbelievably beautiful thing to yeah. witness and talk about and share and hmm. Yeah. Like in our, some of our course sessions, we talk about finding compassion, you know, for the fact that like, yeah, you were finding ways to, to heal, to survive that were harmful to you also, but like that actually helped you get to the next place. So celebrate that. And it feels weird Mm -hmm. to celebrate the fact that maybe this person had been cutting or this person had disordered eating, you know, or this person was isolating and mute for a year and a half of their life. But like, look yeah. back on that and look at that version of you and, and look how she figured out how to get through to now. And like the yeah. compassion there really is healing for all of the pieces, all the layers. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we look at ourselves it's, like so judgmentally. Oh, so judgmentally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So would you say that a lot of like finding the compassion for yourself is healing to the level of the self-hate? Um, yes, but I, I I feel like I should qualify, Mm -hmm. um, because yes, I do. But I also think that when you're in that active state of self-hate and it's expressing in behaviors and all the things that you just mentioned, someone telling you to embrace compassion does not work. Mm. At least it's, at least it didn't for me. And Mm. that's not really the approach that I take. Like, you, I think that you have to do the expressing of what's darkest and bloodiest and what you perceive as ugliest that you're holding to make room for the compassion to take root. Otherwise, you're just like trying to plant a flower on a pile of garbage and mm-hmm. it's not going to work. Yeah. So it's digging underneath that layer to actually naming so. the darkness. Yeah. Yeah. I just am obsessed with that metaphor, making room. And for myself on my own journey, that's what I felt like I needed to do always. Like, I just need to get it out of me yeah, because I can't take in anything else, no matter how pretty until I get some stuff out. (laughs) Yeah. 
No, a hundred percent. My first book hush. That's, that was all it was. I had all this yeah. in me, good and bad. You know, I had the whole yeah. story, but I also had like mm-hmm. the, the teaching points, the, the points that I felt like were really important that other people might find helpful. Like it was all in here and I just had to get it out. And so just wrote and wrote yeah. and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote, you know, same. Yeah. And... My book too. Okay. Exact same experience. So yeah. Wow. I love that. Yeah. So your book is called Pretty Piece of Flesh, correct? Um, actually, the book that I'm relating to you about okay. is called Dark Pretty. And I oh, I don't know about that. I, book. yeah, I pulled it um, from okay. publication like nine months ago or something. It oh, okay. was published for about two and a half years from that exact same energy. And mm. then I just woke up one day and I was like, I don't want this to be out there for a while anymore. I can't explain it any more than that. I just decided to trust it. But lately I've been having this desire to share it again. So Mm. I I love you're kind of reigniting that talking to me about hush, which by the way, that's the greatest title Mm. for what I'm sure is inside your book. ever. Thank you. I love it too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. I I love that idea of like, no, I put it out there, but no, now it's for me. It's just for me. Oh, wait maybe it might be for others now again, like we get yeah, to choose because I'm different, you know? Yeah. 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 yeah but well, that, it's that permission, same energy though. of, sorry, other people, you're just giving permission to other people to kind of like you, you own your story. You're you own your writing. You own this. Like, yeah, it's no, it's for no one else. And if you're choosing to pull it for a few months, that's yours to do that with. That's great. I really love that. Thank yeah. you for that little clarifying perspective. That's really 100%. Great. Yes. Yeah. Um, let's see, we have, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I, I did oh, have a couple goodness, other things. I love this. Okay, good. Well, I wondered if you would be willing to talk a little bit about, gosh, like I feel like in some of your, your work and the things I've seen, you've talked about dissociation without calling it that, you know, just like being outside of your body, which is something very common to especially sexual abuse survivors. Um, do you Mm. feel like that's, has that been, um, helping the, the people, the clients that you work with to find healing, to allow them to express their stories, come home to their bodies, all the things that you do has, um, those who struggle with dissociation, has that been harder or is that just part of the work is because we're all kind of outside of our stories and trying to like come back in. Is that just kind of part that's of actually, it? That's actually what I think mm-hmm. the, your, yeah. the second, the latter statement. Okay. I think that even when you're not, what I, um, what I really think is that as scientific a term as dissociation is, and you mentioned how I like talk about it without talking about it, Mm -hmm. like using the term. And I, I, I kind of do that on purpose because I think when you hear something like that, even the word dissociation, when I first heard it, I had no context for it. I'd never heard it before. It was after my, we'll call it the, you know, the dark night of the soul that happens after your world falls apart underneath you and you start your healing journey. And I just remember seeing that word and my whole body just went, yeah, that's, that's what it is, you know? And same with like, you're outside your body. I think that when people who are hear versions of those phrases, they just have like a somatic, totally 100%. That's me you know, like a flare that goes off in the darkness. Uh Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I personally find it, have found it super shocking and validating how many people feel like they resonate with the idea that they're outside of their bodies. It's, it's just another one of the things we were talking about earlier, where it's so easy to think you're the only person who struggles like this. You're the only person who can't heal fast enough or whatever it is, can't be in their body. What is wrong with you? What's your problem? Why are you so weak? And then you start hearing about how normal it is. And oh my God, it's like, bomb, isn't it? Yeah. I know it was for me. And I get that impression from the women that I work with. And Mm -hmm. 
So again, it's, it's one of those things that I think when, in, when I'm working with clients, I'm, I'm holding awareness of it, but I'm not talking about them like they have to explain it to me because it sort of mends itself as they just are able to embody their true emotions more. Yeah. 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 And the way that you do that would be through like journal prompts that kind of bring them in to the body, would you say? Yes. Yes. I do. In my, yes, in general, Um, in my private work, I tend to use journal prompts and conversation. Like I, excuse me, will invite people to write and then I invite them to read what they've written Mm -hmm. for that, like anchor into the truth of it, get it out of your body kind of thing. And the reading out loud really helps, which is great. Mm -hmm. The people who go through body story, they don't, I might recommend like in this prompt, this is a really good one to read out loud, just to an empty room, just to get it out of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I feel like being witnessed by somebody is like hyper valuable. So I do too. I do that. Yeah. That's really cool that you said that. I mean, so I, I told about my abuse when I was 14 and then I decided not to tell anyone again. I told my mom, she did the right thing. Um, but then I didn't want anyone else to know because I was afraid of what people would think mm-hmm. about me. So I didn't even tell my best friend or anything for like a full year. I never told anyone else again. Well, then I felt really compelled to talk to one of my teachers at school who felt really safe to me, who was very compassionate, non-judgmental, kind, caring, um, generous, all the things. She was all the things that felt safe. And she met with me after school one day when I, I told her I wanted to share something with her and she was such a great like example of what you're talking about right now, because first of all, I thought all the things that all abuse survivors think, you know, they're not going to believe me if they do, they're going to pity me. Um, they're going to look at me differently. She's going to think it was my fault, all the things. But then as I was sharing with her, she was like dispelling every single one as we went along, which made her even more safe and wonderful. Yes. And then she committed to being there to listen if I needed to talk like other times. And I can remember a handful of times when she would meet with me and I would simply read her my journal out loud. She was the only person that got to hear that stuff. And it was disgusting. I mean, I was writing out real memories that I felt like when she hears this one, that's when she's going to be like, well, it was your fault that time. (laughs) But like by reading, like by writing, it it was powerful for me, but then by Mm -hmm. reading it to a safe person who then could then dispel the lies again, no, Nicole, that wasn't your fault either. You know, he should never have done that. Blah blah. And that was like the most healing experience just reading it out loud to a person who could basically say nothing except you're loved, you're seen, it wasn't your fault, you didn't deserve it, you're special, like all the things. And then, okay, mm-hmm. that memory got a lot of healing and I didn't really yeah. have to revisit too many of those. Yeah, that's what's so, uh, first of all, that's gorgeous. I'm mm-hmm. so glad you had that. And Me too. Yeah, I yeah, can. What a treasure imagine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it really is. It's the, um, hard to qualify way that those memories just don't feel like they hold you hostage anymore. That's right. When you've been able to, you know, clear them out of you like that in such Mm -hmm. a safe and have such a good experience. Mm -hmm. Oh, Mm -hmm. that's, that's amazing. I'm really happy for you. (laughs) Me too. Thank you. But I think it does just go back to the idea of like, you can come back to yourself if you're able to get stuff out that doesn't need to be in there, right? That is, is wreaking not havoc. yours to hold. Yeah. And would you say it wreaks havoc on our nervous system, you know, chronic illness, oh chronic my pain. Gosh. Yes. It's all a lot of yes. it, I think, is just really rooted in a lot of this withheld story. I do too, 100%. Yeah. I feel like I remember several years ago, um, this was prior to me being in my body just a little bit, but I had already suffered with anxiety and depression, all that. But I think my body, I was still young enough where you can just do, 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 go, go, go. And you're still not like feeling it yet. 
And I remember watching the yeah. commercial where they're, they're going through, you know, the different mental illnesses and they mentioned depression and how it wreaks havoc on your body. And I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. And thought it was silly until now that I'm at an age where my body is just like pouring with pain because of dealing with so much over the years that I've held in for so long. That's just kind of hanging out in my joints and in my gut and in my heart. And like you said earlier, I got teary eyed when you said that black ball, like mm-hmm. right under your rib cage. I'm like, Oh honey, you're preaching to the choir because I have that like every day. Um, some days it's bigger than others. Um, but it's so real what it does to your body, you know? So real. Yeah. And I think even conversation like this is validating because until that connection clicks, it's just more fuel on the fire of what is wrong with me. I can't, you know, I, I get treated like crap. I can't handle that. Then I get sick. I can't handle that. And, and then the self-hatred, it's like all kerosene on the self-loathing fire. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, re- I really hear that same for me. I've had some kind of malady since I was like, well, I mean, I was born sensitive and a lot of sensitive people have weird illnesses early on. I don't know if, if that was true for you, but like hard to qualify doctor doesn't know what's wrong with you or you get everything, you know, you're just a kid that everything goes wrong and is the worst for. And that was completely me. And, and then right about high school, I've just, there's always been some pain in my body. Nobody has ever been able to tell me what it was. And it took me like almost three decades to be able to put that together and be like, it's because of all the trauma that you're carrying and you have no no idea how to get rid of. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of chokes you up, doesn't it? To Mm -hmm. like realize just how much your body has been burdened and you're like, because your spirit has been burdened. It's like you think about normal people who go through a season of survival when they go through something traumatic, whether it's a really bad car accident or you lose a loved one or the cancer diagnosis, or you you lose the job and you're in that heightened stress, you know, or cortisol just raging through your body for months or years. And then you kind of get through that season. But I, I feel like for those of us who are highly sensitive, also I'm a sexual abuse survivor. I think back mm-hmm. to being six, seven, and I couldn't wear certain texture clothing or I couldn't wear certain socks mm-hmm. because of the texture of it or the way things were. And I just always look back and like, oh, I was a little bit of a quirky child. It's like, mm, there was a lot more going on <laughs> than just that. Mm-hmm. And poor little mm-hmm. me, uh, you know, as I look back, I'm like, man, I'm in survival in mode, like coming out of the womb. <laughs> so, mm. <woo. laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I can, I can relate to, I'm also a sexual abuse survivor and I don't, I don't talk about it a giant amount, but I do a little, and I can relate to the whole, like what you were saying about clothes and with me, it was clothes, but it's also like, I can't eat anything that I used to commonly eat, like within the relationship, you know, how there's like rituals, like we go get coffee every weekend Mm -hmm. or whatever. And ever since the light bulb went on about what that relationship entailed and how ugly it was and how much pain I'm carrying around it, I have immediate allergic reactions. If I try to eat the foods that I ate with this person, like, yeah. And it's, I feel a little nervous to speak about my sexual assault because I don't, I'm maybe not going to use the best language. And I apologize if I use language that's in any way insensitive, but like mine felt very subtle as opposed to like childhood sexual abuse, where any reasonable person would look at that and be like, that's completely, obviously, clearly not okay. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Right. But for the child, when you would not say that the child would say no, uh, too, you know? Okay. So I'm just saying, give yourself grace. It's your story. And and usually for every survivor, it feels really subtle. Well, that's, that makes a lot of sense. And that's very kind of you to say, thank you. Um, But yes, inside it. Okay. So inside it, it feels so subtle. And then when you get outside of it and you start 
um, like realizing what it was, I don't know if this is something that you can relate to, but even now, even after all of the healing I've done and all the talking about it I've done, when I think about episodes, I can feel emotion billow up in me like a tidal wave. Like it's Mm -hmm. almost palpable. And so much of my conviction that the mind-body connection is real and impactful comes from how like I could, I could just touch that feeling. I'm so flooded with, it can't just be cortisol. You know, it's like the energy of all those emotions that I'm still holding. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of what I cling to, to help me remember how important this work is Mm -hmm. because that presence is not benign. The presence of that energy, you know, yeah, so important that we find ways to honor it and release it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it will, it will make us sick. It will show up in our bodies every time as weird things, things that make sense. Right. Mm-hmm. And then real like pelvic bowl issues for women who are sexual abuse survivors, but mm-hmm. then things like food allergies, because they remind you of a person or, you yeah. know, you can only wear certain kinds of fabrics. And I just, I find that so telling and so interesting. Mm-hmm. It is, it is. And it, and I love the idea that we are on this lifelong journey of exploring ourselves. Like mm-hmm. there's so much to learn about myself. Right. And that's exciting in a way, I guess for some people might not be, but I think once you're on the journey and you find little like hilltops where you can look back and you're like, Oh my gosh. Like I, always thought like, you know, like what you said, Mary, my pants, like couldn't wear jeans or whatever, like, or the certain texture. Like, I just thought, Oh, that's a weird thing about me. But then you get on this mountaintop and you can see it from a different perspective Mm -hmm. and you can say, Oh, actually that's connected to that. And I can see the the pathway now and like, wow, like that's really interesting about me. And I'm here now, you know, and I can look at Mm -hmm. it in this way and not think there's something wrong with me, but say something wrong happened to me right? Mm-hmm. It's just such a, yeah. cool and I love, I, I read that you had, you had written somewhere, Jennifer, you said a deeply sensitive body in physical and emotional pain doesn't heal by being ignored or waited out. It heals by having its experiences honored, which you just kind mm-hmm. of said that too, but I just love how that's written. It's so, Thanks. it's so beautiful because isn't that what the healing journey is? It's deciding not to ignore all of this stuff and hoping it goes away in time, but like saying, no, like this is me. These were my experiences, good and bad, right. And wrong, traumatic, and just kind of weird. Um, but I'm going to honor them because it's part of what's brought me here. And by honoring them, you begin to heal them because you're looking at them and you're, you're validating them. You're acknowledging them. You're you're looking at them from new perspectives. It's just a really beautiful process. Yeah. 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 And I really, really believe I, a, a fellow or a sister coach used the expression. She was like saying something that she believed and she used the expression, I'll die on this hilltop, which <laughs> just to me that, you know, she like really believed it. And I love the expression. Yeah. So I don't know why I felt the need to clarify that, but um but I will die on the hilltop that validation and acknowledgement is medicine. Yes. Yep. It's just, it just is. And you can kind of leave it there. Literally just the acknowledgement of the fact that you're angry Mm -hmm. will change you. It's Mm -hmm. medicinal. It like cracks open a layer that lets you get a little bit deeper too. And don't you think that once you receive it, it not only is so life-changing for you, it changes how you meet other people in pain. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I became way less of a fixer when I realized that none of that even did anything except put me into the same garbage dump as other people versus saying like, I see you like, that's really hard because it is hard mm-hmm. and it feels yeah. like it is hard, but like, yeah, you know, you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. That's and like that, a magical boundary you have in place. Mm-hmm. Well, learn the hard way, but yeah. 
Thank you. Most of us do. Yeah. <laughs> and I will die on the mountaintop of when you don't feel alone, it changes everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. goes into validation too. And just like, yeah, realizing there's others who get it. They've been there too. Yeah. Like we're all in this together. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 100%. What a great conversation. I've really enjoyed this. Mm. It's been so nice for me too. (laughs) Good, good. Well, tell us a little bit more about body story or the somatic journaling or whatever, all the things that you're doing. And I know you are coaching. So how can people get connected? How would you want them to learn more? Um, Well, I am a I have some space in my um, roster for some new clients, but I'm currently revamping my website, which is amazing timing, but there it is. So Uh if people are interested in learning more about working with me or what I do, they can always message me on Instagram. That's probably the best way. And I'm at highly sensitive healing. Um, And I do my best to respond every time I get a message and um, in, in about two weeks, my course body story is going to be opening. The doors will be opening again. And it's a 30 day somatic shadow journaling course, mm-hmm. um, which basically just like I was mentioning earlier, we kind of, I don't know if you've heard this, but um, as someone with chronic pain from trauma, I've worked with a lot of naturopaths and some really beautiful ones. And I had a naturopath tell me a few years ago that the body heals from the top down and the inside out. So like when you're trying to heal anything, you have to kind of think about it like it's going to go from the inside before you see it outside. And, mm. and I just found that so interesting that I sort of modeled my program after we're going to write and follow that same healing trajectory. Great. So the course is really about, you know, the truth that your body based in Chinese medicine, your body tends to hold certain emotions in different organs, like mm. your thyroid is the source of your personal expression and like you're speaking your truth and then your liver holds your anger, your kidneys hold your fear, that kind of thing. Mm. And so body story is just a a course for highly sensitive women who have endured trauma and relate to this conversation, basically who feel outside of their bodies and don't necessarily feel safe sharing their truth, but have this deep desire to get it out in an ugly, maybe frantic, maybe however it doesn't have to come out ugly but like however you need it to come out Mm, just you and your journal page so it's very private um they can go as as fast or as slow as they want and it kind of just invites them to move through their body and check in and say when we talk about suppressing your truth what comes up for you what's the memory and then I might give them like guided prompts towards If you're highly sensitive and you have trauma, it might be something like this. Does that resonate right about this? Mm -hmm. And then we kind of just, we go from head to pelvic bowl and try to honor and acknowledge what's common about this trauma story that so many women walk that includes feeling invisible and having chronic pain and not trusting their bodies and Mm -hmm. not feeling okay because they're sensitive and falling into toxic relationships and sexual abuse and And then the journey towards hopefully ending at a level of more compassion and love for their bodies and themselves. Yeah. What a beautiful experience. Thanks. It's, it's been running for about a year and it's incredible to hear the feedback. As you know, anytime you hear Mm -hmm. feedback from someone that of course changed their life or made a big difference, it's so rewarding. So I love it very much. Good. I'm glad you're getting that feedback and just thank you for using your creativity and the energy that you have to put something like that out in the world for people who really need it. I think it's a really great thank you offering. Yeah. It's really cool. Thank you. I really appreciate that from you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, people can contact you through Instagram at highly sensitive healing. What if they don't have Instagram? They can email me. Perfect. And my email, oh shoot, my email is my name, but my name is long. Just spell um, it out, it's sister. Just, it's it's hello at jenniferarnsweiger.com. So it's Jennifer 
Standard, J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R. And the last name is A-R-N-S-P-I-G-E-R.com. And you can email me and I will get back to you from there also. Perfect. Well, I hope our listeners will reach out to you. I think you have a lot to offer those of us who are on this journey together. So thank you so much, Jennifer. You're amazing. It's been such a joy to get to know you more. Oh, thank you so much, Nicole. And thank you, Mary. It was so nice to have this chat with you both. I really had a good time and I am deeply inspired and grateful by the work that you're doing also. It's, it's been a pleasure, but also an honor to talk with you today. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, write a review if you heard something you liked, even invite others to listen so we can be on this healing journey together. You can check us out on Facebook or go to IamOneVoice.org.